Proverbs chapter 18. And I want to apologize for the, the temperature problem. In this gymnatorium, in the fall and spring, we run into two issues. If you turn it on, if you turn the air on spring, it's freezing. The moment it goes off, it's burning up. So if you notice these huge turbines, there's no in between. It either parts your hair cold or off, but it'll come and go. So you'll get a good chill in a moment once you start to sweat a little bit, and then we'll ice you down with some cold air and you'll be good. All right. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. If you're there, say amen. I want to read two portions of scripture, Proverbs 18 and Matthew chapter 12. Proverbs 18 says this, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it, whether it's death or life. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Let me know when this is on your screen up here. Matthew 12, 34, is it there? Okay. Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, which means... Words come from the heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that people shall speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment, because by your words you will be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Proverbs 23 said, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 16 says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The Bible has much to say about people who speak carelessly, cruel, and give negative words. Jesus called them serpents. Evil words come out of the evil that has been stored in a man's heart. A good man cannot speak genuine evil words. And an evil man cannot speak genuine good words. What is in the heart will eventually come out through the mouth. God's word tell us, tells us we'll give an account for every careless word that we speak to God, to ourselves, and to others. And it is our words that will render us innocent or pronounce us guilty. Every now and then, it's not often, but every now and then, uh, through Facebook, I'll ask a question to those who are my friends uh, and those who are acquaintances through that medium. And this week I asked the question, uh, to give anonymously, I don't need to know names or specifics, you could just say family, friend, uh, associate, spouse. And I said, tell me some of the things that were said to you and said about you that have been destructive in your life. Because you could also ask, tell me the positive things. And that could be a whole different sermon. But I felt the Lord leading me in this way. And to be honest with you, I have never had more response from a question. And I've got, I don't, I don't even know, a couple thousand acquaintances on Facebook. And sometimes I get a lot of response. But I was overwhelmed, not just at the reply, but the letters that were written to me. That these words, Pastor John, changed me. These words sculpted me. They rewrote my DNA. They became a barrier 
that I never broke through. And on and on and on the descriptions went. And there's some of them that are unrepeatable. And many of the people that responded did not tell the most horrible ones because those people are still connected in their life. Having said that, and I usually get right to the Bible lesson, but would you grant me the opportunity to share people's sorrow for just a moment? And then I want to share with you out of God's word how to break, to absolutely annihilate, to dissolve the power of destructive words in your life and mind. Listen to these experiences that people on your pew and in this area have experienced. I was told by people in my church that if I divorced my abusive husband, my two little girls would go to hell because God did not recognize a woman as a head of household. After I repented of an affair and drug addiction, and my wife forgave me, a family member said, once a cheater, always a cheater. My dad told us that it was our fault as kids that he and my mother were getting a divorce. I was told the reason you are not a mother is because you do not deserve to be a mother. My mom told me in the aftermath of an argument, you don't love your son as a mother loves their child. You love your boy as a possession. A friend of mine who was adopted heard his dad tell his mom, does the adoption agency have a return policy? After the funeral of my two-year-old son, someone said to me, you can always have another one, you're still young. You have such a pretty face. If only you could lose enough weight for your body to match. Pastor John, for years I thought I wasn't as good as white people because my white grandparents constantly told us that Koreans were stupid and no good. You've been married seven years and you don't have any children yet? What's wrong with you? Is it your marriage? This one I just... God have mercy on the soul of this evil person. The day after my sister committed suicide, a friend said to me, Wow, I bet you really wish now that you had been a better witness. Right after my miscarriage, someone said, Better to lose it, IT, now than lose it later. When my daughter got in trouble, she was ordered to do community service. I went to this church to offer her service, and they said, We don't want help from her kind. When I was a teen, I was told by my biological father that I should kill myself so everyone would not have to deal with me. And almost to every reply, I just wrote back, I am so sorry that someone said these things to you. As a young girl, my teacher had me come up and stand in the garbage can in front of class and told me this is what I was and this is all I would ever be. My dad, the father of six daughters, used to introduce me to his friends as his ugliest daughter and then laugh. John, I have one from 37 years ago, but I can replay it in my mind like it was yesterday. 
My father was coming through the door and I was running up past him the other way. I'm not sure exactly what I'd done, but I'd messed up somehow. And as he passes me, I hear him say, you're so stupid. It wasn't that that was that bad. It's that was one of the few memories I have of my dad at all. A fifth grade teacher saw me standing in the hall as punishment, spoke my name and said, I'm so ashamed of you. And then he wrote, and I'm 70 years old and I still hear that voice in my head. I believe that God has given me his word this morning to shatter the power of those destructive words and we are going to uproot them We are going to disown them. We are going to reject them. And we are going to replace them. And they are going to lose their echo because of the power of God's Spirit this morning. I believe it. Now let's pray together. Father, I want to go right to the point. There is a world of difference between moving someone's emotion with a sad story or sad sad quotes There's a world of difference between that and healing. And I just humble myself and I confess publicly that I can't help anyone with anything. But your spirit, O Lord, can rewrite us and change us. If man's word has the power to change us, surely your word has the power to change us. And I thank you in advance for this red letter day. This is going to be a day that people write in their Bible, everything changed. I'm believing you for it, O Lord. And I thank you in advance that I get to be a part and an eyewitness to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing you need to know, that you have absolute control over the words you speak. Husbands, wives, children, don't fall into that excuse trap and say, because they treated me this way, you made me say this. No one makes you say anything. No one can make you say anything. Whether you're in school or in a concentration camp, no one can make you say anything. You're responsible for your words and you'll give an account for your words. Having said that, even though I'm in absolute control over what I say, I have absolutely no control over what you say. So I have control over what I say. I have no control over you say But I have supreme control over what I believe or let affect me by what you say. I can reject your words. I can abort your words. I can uproot your words. You are the gardener of your own heart. This is what you need to remember about the words spoken to you and the words spoken about you and the words spoken over you. They have incredible potential for good and evil. They develop quick roots. They develop deep and complex root systems. These words reproduce and multiply. They have incredible longevity and they have incredible recall. The ones that you dwell on grow the strongest and words will never uproot themselves. I wanna say that again. Words will never uproot themselves. One of the first times I preached, I wish you could have been there. It wasn't real good. (laughs) I was so nervous. I would fast. I would not eat. I would pray because I felt so, I 
felt so inadequate. Unlearned, uneducated, never been to Bible college, never been to seminary. I'm just an old drunk that he saved, you know, and I'm getting up to preach and I did my very best. And it wasn't that good, to tell you the truth. It just wasn't that good. But God liked it. God saw my little scribbled picture, my little crayon picture, and it didn't look like much. Where do you think he put my sermon? On the refrigerator and said, that's my boy. That's John. So I got done, and I'm a whirlwind of emotions. And those of you that have stepped out and took on the responsibility of preaching, and you understand you're your own worst critic, and you feel guilty most of the time because you're trying. See, God calls you before you're finished. And you feel thoroughly inadequate. And I'm shaking hands of the people in the church and one of the uh, owners of the church, I guess, you know, family owned and operated since 1970, whatever, you know, you'll get that later. <laughs> he walked by me and I kind of, you know, gave weight to his words and he come up and he goes, that was all right. Four or five years, you might make a decent preacher. And he walked off. And I'm not, listen, the words that these people spoke these are way more traumatic than mine, but let me show you how quickly it happened. Immediately, it went down into my heart. I went in my office and wept like a child, apologizing to the Lord for doing such a horrible job. Just grieved me. And from then on, I shook when I preached. I was nervous that I wouldn't be good, that I, I wouldn't do right. That's why, to this day, I don't use a handheld because I learned to preach with a lapel mic, and now I talk with my hands, and if you give me a handheld, I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, I have to have a, a free hand to talk with. But wor words are powerful and they never uproot themselves. See, you're waiting. Some of you are waiting on God to do something that he's not going to do. Well, you just said God's going to heal us. Yeah, he heals you, but you decide what goes in your heart. You decide what you believe. You decide who you are. Great parents don't make great children and evil parents don't make evil children. You, somebody was dealt the hand you were dealt with dealt, and they built a life out of it. You got to be past it. You've got to take the word of God and step past their cruelty and their unkindness and their stupidity. Jesus was no stranger to harmful words. <laughs> Envious words. They said he cast out devils by the power of Beelzebub. Callous words. Do you not care that we perish? Accusational words. If you'd have just been here, our brother would not have died. Duplicitous words. Right before he betrayed the Son of God, Judah said, is it I? Murderous words. He heard them scream in his ears. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Untrue words. Though all men forsake you, I'll never leave you. Unforgettable words. When Simon Peter in the garden said, I know not the man. Unspoken words. Many people wrote and said, it wasn't what they said, it's what they never said. Jesus healed the ten lepers and they all walked off without even a thank you. Some of us lived our whole childhood without a I love you and I'm proud of you. And I know you might think this is silly and that's okay, but I need to say this for myself. I, I find myself... Now that our children are near the twos, uh, they just don't stop. It's just, daddy, 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 daddy. It's like a little loop, you know. And daddy starts kind of shaking, you know. 
And I don't raise my voice, but I'll, 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 just a minute, just a minute. I'll say it as many times as they say, Daddy. Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. And I know it's small to you, but I don't even want to start the pattern of them thinking even a, 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 a pulse of you're in my way. You bother me. And I repent of it. I repent. I don't want a trace element of that in my children's data bank. I don't want them to have to step over what we've had to step over and get past what we had to get past. That's my way of confessing my faults that I might be healed. So that's not part of the sermon. That was just therapeutic for me. These living words come in through the ear gate and they attach themselves to our inner person. These words are magnetic. They search out similar statements and feelings and attach themselves to them, creating cancerous ideas, perceptions, and realities. These cancerous words, if unattended, will soak up the life and substance reserved from our mind, by, reserved for our mind, body, soul, and spirit, causing malnourishment, sickness, and death. So, without giving me details, how many of you now, we've all had people say stuff. I mean, everybody raise a hand. How many of you have defining statements that if I were to ask you, what's the thing, you would immediately could tell me what it was said and how it is destroyed, not hurt, destroyed a part of your life, your psyche, your, the way you view people, things. How many of you have those in your heart? Wow. All I can do is give you the tools. And I'm doing this with you this morning. When I go to bed tonight, I don't want there to be one root. Not one root. Because God's Spirit, the power of God's Spirit through His Word is going to show us how to be free. And if the sun sets you free, free indeed. Number one, what to do when you have destructive words lodged in the innermost part of who you are. And I'm only going to give you four and then I'll get out of your way. Number one. Consider the source. Not the position. Not the position. The person. Because see, a father, that's a great position. I'm not asking you to consider the position. I'm asking you to consider the person. Because we have high expectations based on position, but not everyone that has children is a father. So consider the person. Good people out of the abundance of their heart speak good things. And evil people out of the abundance of their heart speak evil things. I'll go a step further. Crazy people <laughs> say crazy things. Can I just give you one? I purpose not to make this about me today. I have no illustrations listed, but I got to give you one. I had someone that left our church years ago said, and I quote, I'm so glad not, well, I quote, I'm going to summarize because it was a litany of all the evil things about me. I'm so glad to be out from under his leadership. He has a demonic anointing. Wait a minute. Did you know that he has hypnotized everyone in the church? Not some of you. Everyone. So with the watch, all of us are loopy. We're, we're gone. We're gone. We've all drank the Kool-Aid. Wait a minute, it gets better. And Beth knows, because I told her this years ago, and we've laughed about it many times. She doesn't know she's in this morning's sermon, but she said, and that's why he hired Beth White as a counselor. Because when they accidentally come out from under hypnosis, 
he schedules a counseling session so she can put him right back under. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> Listen, crazy people say crazy things. Evil people say evil things. Hurt people say hurtful things. Cruel people say cruel things. Delusional people say delusional things. Self-centered people say self-centered things. People cannot speak but from who they are. And when I consider the source, I wash out 80% of anything said to me. Why would I expect better from you? You're evil. Oh, don't judge. I'm judging the words and the heart. If I go into a doctor and he's got a, 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 what do you call it? My brain is froze. What's, no, the little thing that says he's a doctor. Diploma, thank you. I, and see, preachers will usually just walk in a circle they know what they're saying. I'll just ask you, what am I trying to say? So I walk in and it says, school of Play-Doh. Just Play-Doh school or Fred Flintstone uh, 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 school of higher learning. And you go, I'm going to stay and see what he has to say about my x-ray. That's on you. That's on you. Now I'm using humor because this is a very delicate subject. Don't think I'm making light. Listen, what did you expect from that person? They cannot treat you differently than they view themselves. And when I consider the source... There's a, there's a room where it says, I will not take your advice because of that diploma on it. How you lived, how you acted, what you did, what you didn't do. I have assessed, I have assessed, assessed your skill set. And I will not allow you to read my x-rays or speak over my life. You are disqualified. I'm not judging their heart. I'm not judging their motives. I'm not sending them to heaven or hell. I'm saying you don't have the credentials to define me. Consider the source. My mother told me this story early on in ministry. I've used it many times for my own personal health, mental health. They were in one of their first churches, South Georgia, North Florida, kind of backwater. Uh, it wasn't hell, but you could see sparks from the back porch kind of thing, you know. Mean-spirited. Uh, they would come, when my mom and dad would go out of town, they would come in the parsonage and rearrange the furniture back the way it was before they moved in. Come knock on my mother's door on Sunday morning. She's getting two kids together and she's in her little house coat. She comes to the door, yes. Do you have the church vacuum? Uh, just a moment and come get it. And Thank you, shut the door. You, I'll knock you down. You know, you're thinking. And she began to just hate this lady. I know you've never felt this way. Walk by somebody in church, go, mm. Jesus or no Jesus, if we could just freeze for a minute, I'd walk right up to you. Pah! And then when the, everybody comes back, go, I don't know what happened to girlfriend over here. She, I don't know. My mother said, I hated her. I, here I am, a pastor's wife, trying to pray over people, and I see this withered up soul, pruned Danish, baptized in lemon juice in the corner, you know, like, mm, hated her. And she said, I walked into church one morning, and you'd have to know how life application it is. She said, it wasn't scripture, but it was a word from the Lord for me. And it instantly, all the chains fell. And it's what I'm preaching to you this morning. She walked in the church and the lady was in the back part of the church. 
She looked left. She looked right. No one was in the sanctuary. Pulled her dress, long dress. You know, when you had down to the ankle, long dress, long sleeves, long tongue to match, you know. She pulled her dress all the way up, blew her nose on the inside of her dress, ruffled it together, and laid it back down. And she said, I know you may think I'm exaggerating. She said, John, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, consider the source. And she said, I began to laugh. She saw me laugh. I just walked off and laughed. And every time she'd come to the door or do something, she'd go, Sandra! I'd see her blowing her nose in her dress. <laughs> and I'd say, yes. <laughs> when you see someone crazy or broken, listen, or broken or evil or dwarfed or, or, or malnourished or, or all those things, when you know the source, you can reject the words. I'm not going to give you power over me. You are not qualified to speak over my life. Isn't that rich? Before the Berlin Wall came down, East Germany and West Germany were at great odds one with another. West Germany being free, East Germany bound. West Germany, or East Germany, would dump refuse over the wall and used medical supplies, uh, uh, toxic chemicals. They would just throw it over the wall and drop it over the wall. And the story goes that in West Germany, uh, it became such a problem that they brought it before the discerning body who would decide what to do. Should they attack or something? And one of them said, no, fill pallets full of antibiotics and medicine and vitamins and, and things that would be beneficial to them, food. And they loaded these pallets up with a crane and put it on the other side and wrapped them in a, a saran wrap, you know, to where nothing would fall off. And on the top of each pallet, it says, each gives what they have. See, you can't help but give what you gave me because that's all you got. But I'm not like you. And I'm not going to be defined by it, controlled by it, nor will I duplicate it. You spoke evil unto me, but I'm going to spend my days speaking good unto people because I'm different, I'm altogether separate, and I reject, I abort the words you spoke over me. I uproot them because you are not qualified. I've considered the source, and you do not meet my standard for accepting words spoken over my life. Free. Some of you could walk out of here right now, go get alone with the Lord, and pull up those words and said, they are not qualified and empty three-fourths of your garden out. That does not mean you judge their soul. You judge their words. You are not qualified to speak over my life. Number two, determine the origin that inspired the source. I told you to consider the source. Now determine the origin that inspired the source. Some people are struggling today because the words spoken over them were true. But just because it's true doesn't mean it had a good origin. Do you remember the devil quoting scripture in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? He was speaking truth, but the origin was evil. And some of you are hampered because they spoke true things about weaknesses and insecurities 
and idiosyncrasies and the way you're wired and you accept it. You say, yeah, but it's true. I am a screw up. It is true. I am ugly. It is true. Uh, I don't think anyone would have me. But just because they spoke accurate things, let's say you were larger than most people. And they made comments about your size. Just because it was accurate in the assessment doesn't mean the origin was good. And I'll reject not only untrue things, I'll reject things that didn't come from the right origin. This is how you uproot your garden. This is how you discern for yourself. You can also tell an origin by many things. The way it was said. If you're taking notes, this is good. The way it was said. Was it gentle and kind And in humility, if someone comes to you with the truth and says, I I see this thing and I don't want it to be part of your soul, but I'm very flawed too and I'm not judging of you. See, you can speak the truth in love and it have wonderful results. But if the origin is evil, even the words are evil. You can tell its origin by the motive that's driving them. What's the motivation for this? Do you really care about me? If it isn't from the care the care for you or the care of God, it's, an un, it's, an ungood, it's not a good motive. You can tell its origin by the countenance of the one giving it. What their countenance look like when they're talking to you. You can, tell, you can tell its origin by the impact the words have. Conviction or condemnation? Do those words make you want to run to God or run away from God? Do those words make you want to thrive or die? Do those words make you want to be a better person or does it focus on the things that aren't good about you? You can tell its origin, and this is my favorite, by the residue the words leave. When I walk away from you, how do I feel about myself, my life, and my God? And if the residue leaves me feeling evil, then the origin was evil. Because you can correct me in love, list four or five things, and if I leave saying, I can be a better person. I can be a better preacher, teacher, father, husband. See, that's how the word of God in Sunday school, in our home groups, we correct one another in love. We say, you can do better than this. It doesn't leave me feeling worse. It leaves me feeling challenged and stretched and made better. I can tell the origin by the residue it leaves on me. And you can sometimes tell its origin by the track record of the one giving you the criticism or the unkind words. So there's two things right out the gate. If I consider the source and you have not earned the right to be heard in my life or you as a person are not qualified, I reject it. And if I think the origin is impure, I reject it regardless of the person. Father, mother, sister, brother, wife, husband, pastor, bishop, cardinal, it doesn't matter. If the origin was evil, it's evil. Number three, uproot and reject them. Uproot and reject them. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, lest there be any root of bitterness in you, springing up, troubling you, defiling many people. And let me give you the amplified version of this scripture. Lest there be any root of bitterness coming up in you, which means sharp, acrid poison, springing up, troubling you, which means to sharply sting you, to make you bitter, capable of burning corroding or destroying you and many people be defiled which means sullied tainted contaminated some of you in this room today love the lord you truly love the lord but you limp 
You have limped through your life. You can only look up so much and look people in the eye so much because you have let this root of acrid poison deposited by someone else rob you of your very life. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you and defile other people. Because of what your father said, your wife's paying the tab. Because of what your mother said, your children are paying the tab. Because of what your children said, your grown children, now your spouses are paying the tab. It is your responsibility to uproot and utterly reject those words spoken over your life. Now what I'm about to share with you, and y'all know I'm not one for hype, but let me read this to you. And this is, this is one of the Clearest revelations I believe the Lord has given me in the last 20 years. I'd never seen this before. I couldn't wait to share it for this message. So let me read this to you and I want to give it to you. To reject something means that, you, that it becomes of no value to you. I reject it. It has no value, no significance, no entry, and no importance in my life. It has no impact on the way I live, think, feel, or act. I reject it. And here's what the Lord shared in my heart. In the same way that someone rejects the gospel, then those words, those eternal words, those life-giving words have been brought to no effect. They exert no power over the one who's rejected them. So surely, if people have the power to reject the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and those words be of no effect to them, then you have the power to reject what was said over you as a child and as a spouse and walk out in the name of Christ. Glory to God. If they can reject the gospel and it be brought to no effect, what could you do with those quick words your parents spoke? Those repetitive words. You can bring it to no effect. It can have no bearing on how you think, feel, act, or speak because it's rejected. Our problem is, listen, we've forgiven them, but we've never rejected the words. We've never aborted the words. When a mother's body naturally aborts a baby, she is separate from that baby and there is no connection anymore. What? are you waiting on to reject it listen this is where the rubber meets the road to reject it you're going to have to find a new identity because you can't be a victim no more to reject it means I'm not going to ever bring it up listen ever again If conversation happens and I'm able to help someone with my testimony, I'm able to share in that context maybe. But outside of that, you said, you know what? Watch, that was a lifetime ago. That's not who I am. I'm not rehearsing, nursing, bringing back to life, resurrecting, building a shrine, a monument. Those days and those words are aborted gone. There is no connectivity. There's no connectivity anymore. Gone. I got to go in 
and uproot what that lady said to me right there in the darkest. See, I forgave her. Hugged her neck and forgave her. Right there. Christmas week. During the darkest period of my life, she began prophesying judgment over me. And I'm not exaggerating. I was shaking like this. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. And I said, I'm begging you. If you've ever loved me, have mercy on me today. I can only do what the Lord told me to do. And she began to curse me. And I forgave her from my heart. But I didn't uproot those words. And today is the last time I'm going to visit them with my emotions. I'll only use them in the context of preaching, telling other people how you can abort something and it not affect how you think, feel, act, walk, or live. Absolutely, utterly reject them and uproot them. And finally, replace them with truth. If our musician would come, please. Replace them with truth. Those words that that person said are one of two things. They were either true or they weren't true. Brother John, what if they're true? Then you got to decide if you're going to let them be the ones to say it or you're going to let the Lord be the one to say it. Watch this. I'm going to let this one that didn't care whether I lived or died say it or I'm going to let this one who died in my place say it. So if they're true, I'm either going to try to outrun them or I'm going to let God remove them as far as from the east is from the west from me when I confess them. Jesus said that we'd know the truth and the truth would make us free. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. And your words were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart because I found out I was called by your name. Your words were found. Watch. Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? The words that proceed out of the mouth of God. So let's just use the devil. The devil said you're unrighteous. Was that true? Yeah. But I consider the source. I consider the origin. And I go to God and I said, am I unrighteous? Yes, you are. But I want to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see the difference? Was I unlovable? Devil said I was unlovable. Am I? You are. But I have such grateful love for you. I'm going to transcend that. He said you were unaccepted. But I'm going to accept you in the beloved. He said you were naked. I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. He said you were an outcast. But I am forever married to you. You are my son. I've written your name. I've written your name in the Lamb's book of life. John, why don't you replace those words? Okay. God's judging you. God is judging you, you wicked pastor. No, he judged Jesus in my place. And I replace it with truth. Even if she was accurate, she's not qualified. He is qualified. And I come to him with my guilt, my shame, my shortcomings, my failures, all my stuff. And he's gentle with me and tender with me. And I want to replace him with his words. 
four or five years, you'll make a decent preacher. Who is he that condemneth, John? It's Christ that died. I'm the one that called you. That guy didn't call you. That guy didn't anoint you. That guy didn't knit you in your mother's womb. I fearfully and wonderfully made you, and I'm deeply familiar with you. I called you because, John, you're not really that gifted. And I choose foolish things to confound wise people. And I'm going to, yes, sir, I'm okay with it. I'm glad to have a hat and a jersey and just be on the team. I'm just glad, Cal, to be on the team. God doesn't give me this bravado and build us all up. He just accepts us and loves us. And I know there are people in this room that you've not forgiven. But that's not primarily who I'm talking to. You've forgiven, but your garden is full of those words. And you'll get your girlfriend on the phone or guys will go out and they'll say what the wife said. They'll say what the husband said. They'll say, ringing in my ears this morning, someone told me, I hope your life is a living hell. No offense. I think I'm, oh, that one's got a deep, help me pull this thing. Oh, and then we just drag in root systems. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. You have the power to uproot it all. All of it. With every eye open, whoever I'm speaking to, with no hesitation, I want you to come kneel at the altar, and this is what you're saying. It ends today. Even if I have to work on it all during the day this evening, I'm not going to bed till I uproot them all. And uproot them, abort them means, and I'm not bringing them up no more. That's it. It ends here. It ends here. Come on. Where are you? It ends here. I am breaking the power of destructive words over my life. They will not define me. I am defined by what God says about me. Even if they were accurate, they are not qualified to speak over my life. I'm going to let God speak over my life. I hear it in my spirit. Uproot it. Don't just pull the flowers off of it or the thorns off. Uproot it. Saints praying all over this building. Uproot them. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Now I want to invite people to come pray with them, but don't, not out loud. Just let them pray. Just put your hand on it. I've been there. I'm with you. Girl with a girl, guy with a guy. I'm with you today. Uproot it. All of it. Uproot it today. All the way out. Lord, I forgive. Maybe you're here today and you're the person that spoke those words. Maybe you're that kind of person. Why don't you come and find grace for your sins? Say, Lord, forgive me. Purge that from my record, O oh Lord. Glory to the Lord. Be healed in the name of Jesus. 
people still coming from all over this place. You're not what your father said. You're what your heavenly father said. You're not what your mother said. You're not even what your spouse said. You're what God says about you. Glory to the Lord. Saints praying all over this building. Don't zone out. Pray for them. Call their name. If you don't know their name, say, Lord, the lady in the red shirt, I just pray for her today. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Man, I just hear it in my spirit. I reject it. I abort it. Those words will not have bearing in my life no more. Glory to the Lord. To get well, I got to lose track of those words. I got to forget them. I got to move on. Glory to the Lord. If sinners can reject the words of God, surely I can reject the words of this person that spoke over me. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. I see in my spirit someone pushing a tiller. A gas-powered tiller said it's not just one or two roots. I got a garden. And God is giving you heavy equipment this morning to get them all up. Even the ones you can't see. Deeper than you thought. God says he's getting them all up. I hear it in my heart. Tilling it all up. Those in the congregation, I want you to participate with me. We only have a few minutes left. If you've got people like that in your history, the Bible says, bless them that curse you. I wonder who will be first to come stand around this front and pronounce blessing on that person and speak good about them. I want you to come. Come stand around this front and say, Lord, I just speak over this person your best. I ask you to bless their marriage. I ask you to bless their home. Oh, Lord, I bless them. Who will come? Speak good to those that curse you, the Bible said. Bless them. Speak over them. Tell the Lord, I bless this person, O oh Lord. I bless this person. Don't go to them, just talk to the Lord. God, I bless them. This one that tried to destroy me, I bless them. I bless them. There you go. God, I bless them. I speak good over them, O oh Lord. Each gives what they have, and I give blessing, O oh Lord. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Church family, would you stand with us? Those in the altar that can, if you're at a place where you can, 
Because a lot of this is going to be worked out at home. We got, we got some prayers to pray. I want everyone in the altar to look at me. I just want to tell you a very, very short, quick story from the Bible that encapsulates what I'm saying. Jesus was teaching in an open air place one time, or he was in an open air place. And they drug unto him a woman taken in adultery. Why didn't they bring the man? Probably because men were doing the dragging. So here's this little woman trying to cover her little private parts. And they're dragging her into a public square. And they said, she was caught in the very act. Was that true? Okay. So we're looking at their countenance. We're looking at the origin. Bringing death, you see? So this, this wasn't the Lord. They were accurate. And they drug her in front of Jesus. And they said, Moses said she should die. The word of God says kill her. So they're quoting the word of God to the word of God. Have you ever seen such irony? What do you say? So the words of men, watch, death. What do you say? You see the contrast? She's standing there and she never left. Jesus bent down and began to write in the ground. I think he was writing numbers. Like before he just vaporized them. One, two, three, four, five. I believe he was just scribbling numbers. Messiah, what do you say? I say you who are without sin throw the first rock. How about you, old man? And beginning with the oldest unto the youngest, they all left. Now watch. He turned to this naked. How do you know she was naked? She was in the bed of adultery. He said, woman, tender, where are your accusers? There's none, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you. And like a bird out of a cage, he said, go and sin no more. How could he do that? She was guilty. He was about to die for her, for her sins. So was she an adulteress? Yes, but there was more to her than that. And she let Jesus' words trump all of their words. She walked back to her house, whether someone gave her a cloak, a coat, I may have walked naked all the way home. And she said, after today, I'll not be naked no more. After today, changed. So consider the source. Consider the origin of the source. Okay, reject Utterly reject and uproot the words to where they're all on the surface, no roots. And replace them with the words of God. And I vow to you, your heart will heal. Because whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.